So as you look back now, what are some of the things that were the most frustrating to you or the moments where like maybe you thought you didn't know if there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things. I guess one of the things was just how unrecognized and controversial Lyme is. Mm -hmm. It was so hard to find a doctor and then to not know if treatment was going to work. You know, I just remember laying on my bathroom floor with my parents crying and praying that I was going to die because I didn't know if anything was going to fix me and I didn't want to deal with it any longer. Hello and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, we feature the inspiring stories of regular, everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. This week's story features Maddie Treader, an accomplished Division I swimmer who developed a long list of seemingly unrelated symptoms and was eventually diagnosed with Lyme disease. Her symptoms continued to worsen after a course of conventional treatment, and only after finally seeking help from a functional medicine practitioner did she start to see improvements. Two years later, she was finally able to rejoin her collegiate swim team and finish out her senior year. Here we talk about her experience and some of the habits she continues to practice daily to keep her health in check. Before we dive into the episode, we do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. I'm super excited to be here with Maddie Treader for our Pursuing Health Stories episode, and I am so excited to hear your story because there's a lot here and it sounds like you have come a really long way. You've been through a lot over the past five years or so. Um, so first, welcome to the podcast and thank you thank for you. being willing to share your story because I know um, it's not easy to talk about these things, but I, I'm super excited to talk about it and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much. I'm super excited. Um, so let's just start maybe first with your background. I know you were a swimmer, but... It, do you have any other athletic background growing up or how did you get into swimming? How did that become such a big part of your life? So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I, I guess I mainly focused on swimming. I played basketball until eighth grade and then I was kind of forced to decide to, to decide on one sport. Um, so I really focused on swimming in high school and then going into college, I was kind of given the opportunity to think about swimming and I wasn't really sure if it's something I was interested in, um, mm-hmm. but I got recruited by a couple different schools. So that's kind of why I decided to go to Cleveland State University to swim there and see, you know, what, what was in the books for me there. Mm-hmm. Which is so cool, by the way, because I've spent some time uh, in the Cleveland State University pool when I lived there. Um, oh my especially gosh. After my, um, my Achilles tear, I did a lot of rehab in that pool with uh, my physical therapist. And have also had Amanda Barnhart on the podcast who went to Cleveland State and swam. So lots yeah. of connections there. That's yeah, cool. Amanda and I, well, we crossed paths. So I was a freshman when she was a senior. So, okay. um, but Cleveland State Pool is, in my opinion, one of the best. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. That's awesome. Um, and you were, you know, you make it sound like, oh, I just thought maybe I would do swimming in college, but you were a really good swimmer, right? You were at a D1 school had um 
school, multiple school records at Cleveland State. Is that correct? And then also a national qualifier. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in high school, I had some weird health issues. I never felt great. So I honestly never really focused on, focused on swimming until okay. I decided to be a Division One swimmer. And I was like, I'm going to give it a couple months. And mm-hmm. if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. And after a couple of months, my career kind of like exploded and took off. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it was an amazing experience for sure. That's really amazing. And what maybe you can start with any of the health problems that you were having early on, and then we'll get into what happened while you were in college. Yeah. So just as a kid, I guess I would have a lot of anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. for really no reason. And, you know, doctors thought it was like depression or social anxiety. Um, and I would have really bad stomach aches and nausea and I had stomach like scopes done and they never found anything. So they kind of always racked it up to like mental health kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll cover it later, but like down the road, we do find out that it could have been Lyme related, which is kind of crazy to think about. Wow. Yeah. So maybe even starting that early. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when you were in college, the first few years, how did you feel health wise? I mean, obviously you had, we're having great athletic success, but were you feeling healthy as well? Yeah, I didn't have any issues. And I mean, I definitely think I was taking care of my body. I really, you know, got enough sleep. And I mean, swimming Mm -hmm. was my number one priority. And I ate healthy and I took care of myself. So I never really had any issues that, you know, got in the way of my training, which was number one for me. So I had a really healthy two years. (laughs) That's great. That's that's awesome. And then it was the summer after your summer before your junior year or after mm-hmm. your junior year, before your junior year, yep, when you before. started having some strange symptoms. So can you just take us through that process? Like what did you notice first? What was going through your head at that time? Yeah. So I first noticed panic attacks. Um, mm-hmm. I would be driving to practice in the morning and would pull over at five in the morning to Pittsburgh. Wow. And I, you know, thought I had the stomach flu um, panic attacks, taking my dog to the vet. So that was kind of what I experienced. And we kind of chalked that up to overtraining or being stressed or tired. Cause I was hoping to mm-hmm. qualify for Olympic trials that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the anxiety got worse and then I started getting really bad vertigo and motion sickness when I was on the blocks. Um, and I thought maybe I had low, low blood sugar, like just Mm -hmm. so many different things. And then I was getting like a stiff neck and migraines, um, and it continuously got worse all summer. And I think I really noticed it was an issue when I was at the meet that I was supposed to qualify. And I almost had to get out during my race because I just had no energy left. Um, And like, I talked to my parents and they're like, look, it's just been a crazy, you know, a crazy time. And it's upsetting that you didn't make it, but like, you're Mm -hmm. fine. Um, But like in that moment, I was like, something's not right with my body. And I I wasn't even upset that I didn't qualify, but I was like, you know, this isn't normal. And, and so it wasn't even sad in that way. Um, And it continued to get worse as I went back to school. Um, So I don't know if you want me to talk about that yet or get into that. Yeah, you can. I mean, I think it's interesting just what you're talking about, the time of how this all started to happen when you were in such a stressful, it sounds like you're in such a stressful time period with, with mm-hmm. this qualification and all the training that you were doing and how it could be really easy to attribute all these symptoms just to stress or overtraining. Um, but I think what you said just recently was 
really important that you felt like there was something wrong with your body. Like it, you knew that this wasn't just the stress and the overtraining. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So then take us through what happened next. Um, so I guess when, before I left for school, I went to my physician and I told her I thought I had social anxiety just because of how bad things were. I was canceling plans and going to the mm-hmm. store was giving me, I was getting panic attacks in the stores and I would have to leave because wow. I thought I was going to throw up because it was getting so bad. So I went to her for anxiety medication and then I went to school and the medication wasn't working. And then I started feeling worse, like fatigued, swollen joints. Um, mm-hmm. My neck would get really stiff after I worked out and migraines. Um, so like all of these things were just starting to pile on top of each other. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to the school doctor and she thought I had a virus or like mono, did a bunch of tests. I came back positive for strep, which was really weird because I, you know, had no symptoms in in that regards. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was the most mild case of strep I've ever had. Um, And and things still weren't getting any better. So I went back to my doctor in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and she ran more tests and she threw Lyme in there because her brother had Lyme. It was really, really sick. Um, and that's like when it came back positive. And that was kind of like yeah. the start of that kind of road. But it was crazy because everything was just more and more symptoms were piling on top mm-hmm. of each other for what felt like no reason at all. And what was the time period from when you started having these symptoms until you had that test, the positive Lyme test? So I probably started having pretty bad symptoms in June 2015. And it mm-hmm. was positive um, September 2015 is when I thankfully got a positive test so several months and what did you think when you heard that information like you've been having all these symptoms you're thinking it's anxiety and what was it like to hear that your Lyme test was positive did you know much about it at that time or what you know what was involved I had no idea what Lyme was um so I was really excited because I googled it and it was like two weeks of doxycycline and you're good to go I Mm -hmm. called my coach and I was like, I don't have mono. Like, I'm fine. I'm going to be back training like next week. And I called my parents and they seemed a little concerned, but they didn't, you know, have any information about it as well. So I was not worried at all. I was like, this is awesome. I don't have mono. And then this is, you know, no issues here. Yeah, we have an answer. Just we'll be able to move on. Okay. So then after taking the doxycycline, what how did your symptoms change or if at all? So I just kept getting worse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had gotten a call from the nurse at, you know, the doctor's office. And she Mm -hmm. said, the doctor says, if you don't feel better in a week, give us a call. So I called her back and, you know, didn't think anything of it. And I was at night in my night class and I got a call from a weird number. So I ignored it. And and I read the voicemail and it was like my personal doctor calling me on her personal cell phone after hours. And I was like, oh, no. So that she had a conversation with me and she was like, I'm getting a little concerned. Like I need you to come back, but I don't know how to treat Lyme um, to what I think you need. So I'm going to have you see someone else at our practice. And so Mm -hmm. that's when I started getting a little nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if you're getting a a personal phone call in the evening. Yeah. Um, so, so then you go see, and who was the the next doctor that you thought was a infectious disease specialist or so she was just another physician at mm-hmm. the practice, um, which wasn't the best experience I've ever had going to the doctors. She laughed at me and told me that if it was Lyme, you know, I was better because I've had antibiotics and I need to stay off the internet. 
um, and that all my symptoms were unrelated. So mm-hmm. that was um, really hard because I knew that something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she ran a bunch of blood tests and Lyme ended up coming back positive. So she gave me a call and was like, all your tests came back negative except for Lyme, but you know, you're fine because you've had antibiotics. So, you know, you need to go see a neurologist for your migraines. You need to, you know, be on anxiety medication, but you know, overall you're fine. Wow. Wow. That has to be really hard to hear, especially feeling like your symptoms are getting worse and you have a potential explanation, but yeah, I know that's a common frustration. Um, especially, you know, when you're still having symptoms and then feeling like, okay, let's, you want to actually be able to treat the root cause of the symptoms and not be putting all these band-aids on everything that seems unrelated. Exactly. So from there, I know you eventually found functional medicine. How did that Mm. come about? So I had a couple months with a different alternative medicine doctor and I just continued Mm -hmm. to get worse. I I wasn't able to eat anything. I was throwing up everything. I actually ended up not being able to poop anymore, which was the weirdest thing I had ever experienced at the time. Um, I couldn't walk down to my mailbox. Like I was just getting so sick. Um, Thankfully, my family was really vocal about my struggles on social media. So a family Mm -hmm. friend reached out and told us about a doctor that she had been to, not for Lyme, but she had heard of a bunch of other patients there for Lyme. So that's how I was lucky enough to get in contact with my doctor now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started treatment with him March 30th or 31st of 2016. So, yeah. And what was different about that approach than what you'd experienced with maybe your other doctors? Um, It was, the other doctor was, I guess, maybe a little outdated. Um, He, our appointments with my old doctor were like four hours long, but it was all just oral medications, I guess. And Mm -hmm. he was still giving me antibiotics and Zofran for the nausea and, you know, all those things. And I guess when I saw my doctor now, I had hours with him, but it was, it just felt so much different um, Mm -hmm. and refreshing. And, you know, I talked to other patients and just to hear everyone, but he started my treatment that same day of IVs and all of the treatment was in office. So, I mean, it was just so refreshing to have someone so kind and understanding and, and tell me that, you know, uh, there's hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sort of just dismissed the symptoms that you're having. Yeah. But acknowledge them. Wow. Um, and so what were some of the things or some of the components of the treatment that you had um, for Lyme starting in 2016? So I had high dose vitamin C IVs. I think it was 50,000. I don't know if it's milligrams or what exactly the measurement is for that. Um, I had a glutathione push every time I had an IV at the end. Um, mega autohemotherapy, which is when they take your blood out and infuse it with medical ozone and put it back in. Mm-hmm. I had vitamin B injections, silver, um, IVs, chelation for heavy metals because I had high aluminum in my body. Um, low-dose immunotherapy injections, which were really painful but and really intense, but, I mean, they work. Um, colonics because I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. So I was doing coffee enemas mm-hmm. at home and then colonics in office and they would infuse ozone, probiotics, um, acupuncture, which was really great cervical manipulation. So, I mean, there was a ton, a ton of different things, but 
I mean, it was so refreshing and, and amazing. And I was, I saw my doctor told me, you know, don't even think about seeing anything for 30 to 90 days as far as progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 30 days I was able to go inside a store and not have a panic attack and have to leave. So it was really insane. <laughs> wow. So you were able to see a dramatic improvement in your symptoms. Yeah. Even after 30 days. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And all of those treatments, it sounds like really are focused on supporting your immune system so that you can sort of process the infection and get rid of the infection. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Now, just going back, do you know, have any idea of where you may have gotten the Lyme? Like, do you remember ever having a tick bite or a rash or anything even earlier in life or around that time in the summer of 2015? Uh, no, I have no idea. My parents are from New York, which I mean, mm-hmm. is I guess tick filled. Um, yeah. I never had any issues. So, you know, there are people say that you can get it from your parents, like get it passed mm-hmm. on through because it passes through the blood barrier. So I don't know if I, my parents might have it, but my doctor mm-hmm. thought maybe it was dormant in my body from when I was young and then like stress mm-hmm. brought it out. But as far as ever being bit, like I have no never saw anything. Mm -hmm. And what do you think? um, Well, what other, did you make any other changes like lifestyle changes at that time? It sounds like obviously you had such low energy. I'm assuming you weren't able to really do a ton of exercise, but did you make any other changes to your diet or your lifestyle that you found to be helpful also? Yeah. Other than like supplements, I was gluten or I still am gluten-free, dairy-free and low sugar, um, Mm -hmm. which helped you know, so much. Mm-hmm. And I took myself pretty much off any medications that weren't related to Lyme or, mm-hmm. you know, anything that was super necessary, which helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea? I mean, I guess you did a whole bunch of interventions at once, but any idea of what has made the biggest impact for you or things that maybe you still continue now that you think are having a big impact? Yeah. So I still follow that diet and I know that helps so much. I'll never not be eating this way. Um, But as far as in office, I think the mega auto hemotherapy, um, you know, worked wonders and LDI, the low dose immunotherapy, I would get injections once every um, two months, but slowly after getting them, I would be able to do more and more. So the reaction for the first two weeks after it is awful. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, after a while, it was kind of giving me anxiety because it would bring back all my symptoms. Um, but then like a month after that, I would be able to. So those were probably the two that gave me the most relief. But then obviously the vitamin C just some more supported my immune system. So, you know, those are I'll still go back for vitamin C drips just to make sure that I don't relapse or anything like that. Mm hmm. And what was the time? So you started all this in 2016. Like how, what was the timeline for how your symptoms started to improve? When did you start to feel like you were really yourself again and able to live life the way that you wanted to? Um, so I started 2016. I was able to go back to school in August, um, but I was traveling home from Cleveland every week. So I would have night class until 830 and I would drive home and then have treatment the whole next day and then drive back. So I still wasn't able to be myself, but I was able to work out a little bit. I would say feeling totally like myself would probably have been my senior year. So 2017 is when I was, you know, feeling like I was a normal human again and didn't have to like sit Mm -hmm. on the sidelines and watch my friends do things and sit there and feel bad 
about my life, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So that's like, that's two years of time that you were kind of out, which is a long time, especially in the middle of college, which is just such an important time in life. So, wow. Um, And were you able to ever go back to swimming um, in college or no? Yeah. So I was able to go back that August of 2016. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with my coach and I really wanted to be a part of the team no matter what aspect that was. Um, And it was obviously really emotional because I went from being, you know, very successful to kind of being what I thought was going to be a mascot or a bench warmer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I actually qualified for conference that year and was awarded um, the James Lamash Award from our athletic department because of um, kind of what I went through and the sacrifices and just, you know, that whole experience. And then I was able to swim my senior year as well and place um, top 10 in the 200 and 100 breaststroke. So I ended up being able to swim my last two years. They were nothing like I would have imagined them to have been when I was a freshman Mm -hmm. breaking records. Um, But nevertheless, I think I'm probably more proud of being able to finish and you know, not be taken out mm-hmm. totally by a disease. So, wow, that's amazing and good for you for going back to it because, like you said, I'm sure it was hard not to be at your full capacity and to see all of your teammates being able to put in, you know, all that energy and effort that you wanted to. But I'm so glad you were able to finish out your senior year too. That must have been a great feeling. It was, it was very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and so now do you have, you said you still will do things to sort of maintain, but do you have any residual symptoms now or do you feel like you're back to a hundred percent? I would say I'm probably at 95. It just mm-hmm. depends on how I'm feeling. Like stress will bring out a flare. Um, and obviously if I slip up on my diet, um, but on a daily basis, the only thing I really deal with that bothers me is like motion sickness I still get really sick in cars or Mm -hmm. traveling um but those are things that I would be happy to deal with versus ever going back to what I was at so you know hopefully one day I'll be 100 but right now I'm, I'm happy where I'm at that's great um and I want to talk also about CrossFit because you started doing CrossFit was that something that you transitioned into after college or how did you find it? Yeah, so I transitioned after college. I was super interested during college or when I was sick, I was watching, um, but I obviously wasn't physically able to. And then when I was swimming, I knew if I added something else in, I would probably cause my system Mm -hmm. to just crash. Um, So I I got into uh, it right after college and I was kind of made myself do it, watching Amanda um, mm-hmm. kind of be so successful and she looked like she was having a great time and I needed an outlet. And so, you know, seeing her excel, I was like, this looks like a lot of fun. So that's kind of mm-hmm. why I tried it out. That's awesome. And what, um, what are the things that you have enjoyed most about CrossFit or how does it fit into your life now? I love, I mean, obviously I love working out, but just having something to compete in, even if, Mm -hmm. you know, when it even just at the gym with other people, um, and just watching my body be able to do amazing things and, you know, how strong you can get even as a retired division one athlete. Um, and, and just being able, I coach for a little while and now I work out with my mom, work out with my mom. And it's just so fun to be able to see 
anyone be able to do it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I know my mom was so scared to even try it and to see how strong she's gotten. And, you know, she gets compliments, like carrying things out at work <laughs> by like the, you know, the men working there. So it's just really, it's just <laughs> such an awesome like sport and experience and the community is just amazing. So, you know, that it's just, I love it. That's awesome. It's so great. I think to have, especially after being part of a team, whether it's high school or college sports or anything else, because otherwise there's just such a void. And I think at least for me, it provided that environment of like, okay, I get to work out with other people. I have a way to push myself, a way to keep learning new skills, pushing my body, having yeah. a coach, having sort of that feeling of, of being part of something bigger. I think it's so important. Um, yeah. The depression, like after being an elite athlete or division, whatever, college athlete, mm-hmm. high school athlete, is so real, just finding that mm-hmm. identity again. So even when I talk to other athletes, I always recommend trying something like CrossFit because I feel like it's a family and a team that anyone can pick up on and, and be welcomed into. So it's really awesome. For sure. For sure. And are you back in Pennsylvania now or still, where are you at at this point? So I'm currently back in Pennsylvania, um, kind of doing a career change, um, going back to school. So kind of mm-hmm. waiting for that, my decision to come through with that. And hopefully I'll be mm-hmm. starting that in the next couple of months. That's so exciting. And what led you, so tell us about what um, type of degree you're going for and then what led you to that decision? So I'm hopefully going back to school to be a chiropractor, get a doctorate in chiropractic. Um, What led me to that decision was my doctor. I feel Mm -hmm. like everything I do in life now is influenced because I'm inspired by my doctor. He's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's an amazing person. So he, before he got his MD or became an MD, he got, um, became a chiropractor when he opened his practice. That is the one we go to now. So um, I have always been interested in medicine and then alternative medicine obviously saved my life. And if I can impact someone the way he impacted me and changed my life, I mean, I would be the happiest person ever. So that mm-hmm. is the ultimate goal to be able to do that for someone else and maybe open an, an integrated practice and be able to offer all the things that he offered me. That's incredible. And I'm, I know you will help so many more so many people and it's so incredible when it starts from such a uh, real personal place because you know the impact that it has and you'll be able to relate to patients and the people that you're helping so that's so exciting I'm so excited for you thank you (laughs) Um, through the whole process as you look back now what are some of the things that were the most frustrating to you or the moments where like maybe you thought you didn't know if there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were a couple of things. I guess one of the things was just how unrecognized and controversial Lyme is. Mm-hmm. It, it was so hard to find a doctor and then to not know if treatment was going to work. You know, I just remember laying on my bathroom floor with my parents crying and, and praying that I was going to die because I didn't know if anything was going to fix me and I didn't want to deal with it any longer. Um, so, I mean, that is just you know, was wow. really hard. And then yeah. as also on top of that was the financial burden. Um, because it's not recognized, everything was out of to- out of pocket. Thankfully, I had my parents to fully support me and our extended family and friends like fully supported me. Um, but you know, on top of having a disease that is not really recognized, treatment is not covered as well. So it was like a double whammy. And, you know, um, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on, I'm sure my, my family, my parents, um, financially, it was really hard. So that just kind of added to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that's one of the, I think one of the most frustrating things about Lyme is how controversial it is and how our, our conventional system doesn't have a lot of answers, especially for a chronic infection. And it's, there's a lot of risk involved for doctors who treat it when it's not necessarily um, the standard of care. And so it puts people in a really tough position. Mm -hmm. And then you've got people who are really suffering and need help. Um, and the conventional system is basically saying, sorry, like this is all I can do. Let's just give you more medications for your symptoms, which it sounds like kind of what happened to you. So, you know, it's, I think probably one of the most frustrating diagnoses to have I think I mean there's a lot but but just because there's there's really there there can be answers but there's so much controversy around it Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and then knowing of course you know I would if I could go back I would change it so you would never have had to go through this but (laughs) knowing knowing that you have and knowing that a lot of times some of the most challenging things that we go through are what we learn the most from what are some of the biggest lessons that you think you learned throughout this whole process or how has it changed you to become a better person? Um, I mean, I think I totally changed as a person throughout everything. I was so focused on, I mean, swimming, which was not a bad thing at the position that I was in, but I wasn't enjoying life. I guess I would say I I took training and and swimming too seriously and kind of let everything Mm -hmm. else pass me by. So sitting back and having to watch, other pe- people experiencing what I wanted to experience. Experience. Um, I just feel like I enjoy life a lot more, and I don't take things as seriously, and I kind of brush them off because I always know that there's someone out there that is struggling so much more than I am in this moment. Um, so I just, I guess, I just appreciate little things now when I, I didn't before. I just, you know, I let mm-hmm. those things just go over my head and, and didn't, didn't really care. That's so true. And I think it just, it puts everything in perspective. And I think I can relate on some level to that too, just at different stages of my life being so focused on training or school or these sort of achievement type things. And then sometimes you just get knocked off your feet and realize like, okay, actually the other, there's a lot of other stuff that's way more important, like the people in your life or the other things that um, sometimes you can get distracted from when you're so focused on just achieving all the time and being able to appreciate those little things and kind of reprioritize is important too. Definitely. It's, it's the little things that matter the most, but we, I mean, no matter what we, we forget them sometimes. So we just need something to kind of bring us back down to earth and smack us in the face sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. We need those reminders. Um, All right. Well, I want to start wrapping up with the three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is, what are the three things that you do now on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Um, it would be, you know, my, my diet, gluten-free, dairy-free, and, and low sugar. I mm-hmm. exercise every day, five times a week. Um, and then just spending time with family and kind of detaching from the craziness of life, especially right mm-hmm. now, taking especially time right to myself now. and just appreciate my family and my pets. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anything that you like to do as like relaxation or just to de-stress other than spending time with your family? I mean, like, um, honestly, I love Netflix. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I've just been doing a lot of chemistry, so oh. which I kind of find <laughs> calming right now, honestly, doing <laughs> equations. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, on a daily basis, just, you know, just doing whatever my family wants to do. Like right now we're doing a puzzle, um, over the holidays. So just, nice. you know, just chilling. That's great. Another benefit of COVID, I think, bring, yeah. bringing people together and enjoying those simple things. That's great. Um, what's, is there one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Um, I think going lower, lower sugar and less processed foods. So I I stay Mm -hmm. to, you know, gluten and dairy free, but sometimes we take what's convenient as far as Mm -hmm. food and, and don't take the time to prepare it. I had candy, candy issues, um, when I had Lyme. So it's always in the back of my mind. So just taking more time to prepare my food versus getting something out of a wrapper is probably something I wish I would do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's a constant struggle for all of us just with the convenience and the time. And, you know, even, even a lot of the foods that are healthy, you know, healthier that come in a wrapper still sometimes, of course, it's always better to be able to prepare and cook yourself, but yeah, we live in a, in a world where there's always a lot of um, kind of competing interests. So Definitely. All right. What is my last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? What does a healthy life look take, like to me? Mm-hmm. Um, just being healthy, um, trying to stay away from all the toxins as far as like chemicals we're putting in our body or using, you know, mm-hmm. all around us, taking time to yourself to meditate and pray or whatever you like to do. And um, I think just spending time with your loved ones and getting exercise in, I, those are the most important things in life. And it took me, you know, a huge event to realize that. Um, but I feel like if all those things are great, you're going to have a healthy mind and a healthy body. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This has been amazing. And you are very inspiring by how you, how you really approach it head on and how you can tell just the way that it, it has transformed your life in a positive way, instead of becoming something that completely tore you down and I'm so excited to see what you do next I think thank you you know I'm excited rooting for you to get into whatever school you're you're um, going for and I know you're going to have an amazing career and life ahead of you thank you so much I appreciate it Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.